Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to another edition of Pod by the Bay, proudly presented by the Bay Area Examiner. I'm your host, Nathan Bond. Join alongside me, Seth Barnador, Robert Stieg. Fellas, uh, uh, interesting game over the weekend as your <laughs> South Florida Bulls uh, get beat pretty handily, 56-35 at UAB. Um, I think the first thing we need to discuss before aside from the game, is expectations going into and coming out of this UAB game. Um, Obviously, USF riding a high of being over 500 this late into the year since 2018. Um, So it's been a long time. You win back-to-back games. You beat Rice. You beat Navy. Your offense looks great. Your defense does enough to win the game. And you go into UAB expecting, you know, to kind of, Roll through a seemingly one in four program who's kind of scuffled a little bit under first year head coach Trent Dofer, and you get absolutely blitzed for 56 points. And the ensuing vitriol and doomsdayness from the fan base um, was jarring to say the least, considering where we've been the last three years. Uh, so, Seth, I'm going to toss it to you, the, the the man who's always been the level-headed one of the group. Uh, we talked pretty extensively in the advanced stat portion of the podcast to the like, to Ponderosa. Like, UAB had a really good offense, and maybe that's our fault for not disseminating that out to everyone else. But we kind of figured this was the game we were going to ex- get in that this is what to expect against a pretty good UAB offense. Yeah. We had John Duncan on of uh blazervictory.com and just talking with him and looking through some of the advanced stats in terms of pace. UAB was one of the top, just like USF. They're one of the top teams in the country in terms of plays per game. And they had some pretty good advanced stat numbers offensively. And that's with playing Tulane. who's probably the best defense in the conference and playing Georgia who, is Georgia, right? So um, you had to think they had some pretty good, uh, you know, a pretty good chance to score some points. And when you watch them on tape, they did a lot. So they, they use a lot of different personnel groupings. They go really fast. They use motion. There's a lot to see. And I do think even though Golish kind of didn't kind of take it as an excuse after the game, I do think there was some kind of schematic whiplash a little bit. Now, um, the other part of it is you're going on the, you're going on the road for the second time in two weeks to a team that's pretty desperate, playing in a game that's really important to them in terms of it's like the red bandana game at Boston College. It's the the game for the Children's Hospital. It's a big deal. It's a game they get up for, and Trent Dilfer's got a special connection to that even more because he had a kid that died really young. So you. And so he was really kind of emotionally invested in this game beyond just needing a win with their backs against the wall. So the situation was tough. And really, when you look back at the first few weeks, even the wins, um, especially the last two weeks, and and really kind of really focusing on Navy game, you didn't really get punished for making some mistakes early in games. You were able to pull yourself out of a hole because your offense was clicking and the defense was able to do enough. Um, so 
that did not happen this week. You couldn't pull yourself out of that hole. But this is not to be unexpected. We thought, talking with John Duncan, we said, we kind of both said, hey, uh, I think we're going to get an entertaining game. I don't know who's going to win, but it's going to be entertaining. I thought UAB could win. I didn't think it would be like this. Like, I didn't think it would be a blowout. Um, but I thought they had a good chance because I thought they'd be able to score. Uh, USS defense has done, um, has improved a lot, but they still give up a ton of explosive plays. One of the worst, I think actually second to worst in the country in giving up explosive plays. When you do that, when you play a team that's got explosive players like UAB does, this is a possibility. So I wasn't too, um, I I wasn't, this was unexpected, but it wasn't, the, 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 uh, the way the game played out was unexpected, uh, but it's not too surprising, right? Uh, the defense is still coming off being one of the worst in the country last year. They've gotten a lot better, but they still have those times. And, and when you play this style on both sides of the ball, when you are really boom or bust and really aggressive on both sides of the ball, if they both go bust at the same time, people can get up on you. That's kind of what happened. USF's offense went to a lull, uh, and the defense went bust. And all of a sudden, you're looking up and you're down by three scores. Or the, the, I think what did they, did they have 42 in the first half? Or was it 35? I don't remember. It's it's either way. It was 35. Yeah. So you you give yeah. up 30. All of a sudden, you look up and you've given up 35 at half. And your offense hasn't been able to keep up because they've turned the ball over and didn't help your defense there either. So, you know, the I think we all have to remember the preseason expectations for this team. This was a game I thought was a toss-up. And even last week when we talked and we talked about in the advanced set preview, Kelly Ford had it as a toss-up game. And I think he had UAB maybe slightly favored, or it was it was either uh UAB slightly favored, USF slightly favored. It was really is around that 50% mark either way. So um, it was a toss-up. This you're you're fine. You're still ahead of schedule right now, or at least on pace. And if you go out this week and win, I think this all gets lost and forgotten. Uh, can't live and die week to week, even though it's you. It, there's so long between games, you, it's harder to get over it quickly. It's not like basketball where you lose on a Wednesday or something. You can go play on a Saturday. So, uh, but you can't live and die week to week. Look at the overall progress of the team. I think everybody would say this team's made a ton of progress. Um, you can be disappointed, but to be like really upset, obviously you'd like to see them. If you're going to lose, you don't want to lose like this. But I think with the style of play, this is going to happen. Look at Tennessee and South Carolina last season. Tennessee plays a similar style in offense, right? Similar style in defense. They're aggressive. Uh, Offense didn't wasn't clicking. Defense wasn't clicking. South Carolina puts up sixty three points on them. When Tennessee's, you know, they win that game, they make the college football playoff probably. So, you know, it happens. So hopefully it doesn't happen again. And this is a one time thing, but it happens sometimes. Here's the thing: it is going to happen again, and that's just what that's just college football. Like it's just it's going to happen it is inevitable that you have these kind of games what's for me what is so frustrating that's getting lost in the white noise of it all is this kind of game happened every single week for three and a half years (laughs) and it took six games 
for something like this to happen. And every, you know, quoting the joke here, everybody just loses their minds. Like Mm. that part, it just does not make sense to me. It doesn't compute where, okay, now they've won a few games. Now your expectations are so far through the roof that this game upsets you that much. It doesn't, that just doesn't make sense to me. The defense is only six games removed from being quite literally the worst defense in all of college football. If you think they're going to just flip a switch and become like the 2009 Alabama defense, like that's just not, that's just not how things work. They're a lot better, but they're still very prone to giving up big plays. And we've seen that in almost every single game this year where they've gotten gashed for the big plays. Now, much like on USF's offensive side, if you get blocked on by this USF offense, it happens fast and it happens frequently. Same with the defense. If they are not in the right spot, the right position, they're missing tackles, this is what happens. And sometimes you just get schemed up and UAB seemingly had the perfect game plan going into this game and they executed it flawlessly. Like Alex Mortensen and Trent Dofer had a perfect game plan, stuck with it, and that was the end result of 56 points. Um, the offense clearly struggled. Uh, you know, Byron Brown forced what was it three throws in a row that nearly got picked <laughs> off. The third one finally did. Oh, yeah. Obviously, the butt fumble um, on the next possession, or vice versa. Like you're you're taking points away from your offense, and then you're forcing the defense to go back out there quickly. Uh, they got pinned deep on three possessions in the first half, and they went three and out. And I think each each one of those drives was less than two minutes of game action. It's tough to all right, all right, defense, go back out there. I know you just got gashed. Go back out there. Um, it, it's tough, and this this is going to happen again. Um, but that doesn't mean the team is terrible and they suck. And the first five weeks were a mirage. Like there's significant improvement to this team. And if you're not seeing it, then you're just refusing not to see it. I yeah, think it's it, the overarching thing. To me, it's a little bit like a team that shoots a ton of threes, right? When that when they're hot, man, they're really tough to stop. But if they go cold, it can get ugly in a hurry. Like you've seen some playoff games where there's NBA teams scoring just insanely low number of points. And it's just because they they just kept chucking threes and are cold. That, See, every single the same. James Harden game, every single James Harden <laughs> playoff game for the last like seven years. It's it's kind of like that. So like if you're cold, they can they can get run up on you real quick. And it and it doesn't even mean that, that the offense is is bad or the scheme is stupid. Like, would you rather this style of offense or the thing we had in like 2013 or like 2012? Uh, or 2019 when there was just literally just devoid of talent and they were just trying to muster up some points, 2020 even. Like this, you know, you're going to have games where the offense doesn't click, your deep shots aren't hitting. I think Byron was like two of nine on throws 20 yards down the field or more. Uh, Previous two games, he was able to hit those shots. It happens. You, You know, you live by the deep ball, you die by the deep ball. And you know, unfortunately, uh, to quote Seth Greenberg, you know, sometimes you're the dog, sometimes you're the tree. And uh, last week, USF was the tree. I was going to say that. That was actually my uh, the microphone. And, it, and it's it's fine. Like, 
it, it'd be one thing <clears throat> if like, you know, looking at the grand scheme of, of college football for a second, um, you know, we, we talk about a lot of the games that we, you know, and I saw a lot of instant reactions. I was trying not to pay too much mind to it, but like people were like, this is the worst loss in USF history. This is the worst loss in college football. This, this wasn't even the worst loss of the day, let alone the worst loss in the last, I don't know, year. Like I it wasn't even the worst loss by a Florida team. Right. Like I, I don't even think that this is like in the of like in my year since 2013, so 10 years of being around the University of South Florida football program, I wouldn't even put this even close into my like top worst loss. Like, yeah, this sucks. But when you put it into perspective of what the team currently is, you know, if if we had just taken it all out of a vacuum and said, you know, halfway through the season, right before homecoming, USF is three and three. They got their pants whooped out by a team from Alabama and they kept uh, it really close against the other team from Alabama. We would be probably really thrilled with it, <laughs> thinking that it's the other way around. Um, but, you know, I, I, I think this is just the, the, the nature of you have two very aggressive coordinators and play styles and you know, for the Western Kentucky game, the offense wasn't fully clicking at times and it caused a, a loss there. And then you look at the Alabama game and the you know, offense really wasn't clicking and it happened there. And then the last couple of weeks, the defense may have not been clicking as much. They have their great moments and they have their bad moments. But like, again, it can it can compound and you're getting you get really aggressive on defense. You push these defense backs up and then they get beat over the top or they get beat by crossers and. You know, th- this happens and it's fine. You know, you're still in year one. Um, you're still kind of linked from the think of last year and it's going to be okay because, you know, the sun shined the next day. The team went out to practice the next week and refocused and they're saying, okay, let's move forward. And I think we should all do the same. Yeah, And I think a, a good point of clarification here, when Steve says it's fine, he does not mean it's cool to get your brains beat in in a football game. That's great. That's awesome. What he means is when you look at the totality of the season, they are ahead of schedule. So you can, I think we're not trying to say that you shouldn't be upset when your team goes out and plays really poorly in a game that was certainly seemingly winnable, right? Uh, they did not play well. They ran into a, a, a team that's probably better than the record. Um, and and they got smashed, but it's okay to be upset. I think for a game, but yeah. it's not okay to feel like the seasons. I mean, I guess you can do whatever you want, but it, it right. doesn't seem the right uh, way Rational. of thinking to act like the season's dead because of this one game, right? So yes, because when you live and die by one game, you know you can go back to one of their earlier games this year and. Just uh, what if we just live in there? What if we live in that world the rest of the year? Then we're great. It's going to be probably right. in between, right? So I think some people, when they hear us say things like "it's fine," I wouldn't worry too much about it. They think, "Well, you guys just don't care. It's mediocre." No, it's just it's one game. These things can happen. Now, if it becomes a trend, then I think you start worrying about. It. But this so far this year is the outlier performance. This has not. This is the first time it's happened this year. We've got half a season worth of data. This is the one that looks a little bit different. So maybe, just maybe, this is the one that we look back on and be like, wow, that was a weird game. And I, I want to give the flip side of that. 
I mean, this kind of makes me think about the Temple game in 2021 where USF had their outlier game. They were firing on all cylinders on defense and they set a perform- rushing performance for you know the, 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 the program rushing record whatever it was at the time. And like you could feel it was an outlier. You could feel this was just them firing on all cylinders and the game plan worked, and et cetera, et cetera. Et cetera. And then the next week, they just, you know, the next week happened. And so I think that's where you kind of need to understand is that, you know, the game happened. And when, again, thank you for saying that because I do need to defend myself and not say it's fine all the time. Um, but like, it, it's, it's, it's okay to be upset about it. It's not okay to call for people to be fired. It's not okay to yell at the players on the sidelines. It's not okay to dismiss everything that happened for five leading up to this, thinking that the season's over and done with. And, you know, we need a fire Golish and we need a fire Todd Orlando. And, you know, I, I saw someone saying, like, this is what happens when you hire Todd Orlando. It was like, I was like, we had a spectacular showing against Alabama that no one gave Todd Orlando credit, by the way. Like, no one was like, oh, thank God, Todd Orlando. Uh, you know, everyone was just like, you know, dismissive. And of course, you know, the second you have a bad game, put a gun like that. But it just, it's, it's going to be okay. It's a new week. It's time to, it's time to focus our sights on a new opponent and uh, have some fun again. Hopefully. Yeah. Yeah. So. The, the one thing that was worrisome to me, and even Golish said it on Tuesday during his press conference, is, uh, and I like that again, this is still the outlier. It's like at some points that, didn't seem like they were trying or they were playing as hard as they could and then they would and then they wouldn't and then they would um it but they the defense just looks sluggish i think that's probably um the key takeaway and that could be you know as a result of back-to-back road games and you're playing navy one week and then you've got to go against this team that spreads the ball out and it's a completely different offensive scheme and it's tough to uh, kind of do that. And you had three guys who played a lot of snaps on Saturday who didn't play the week prior in Logan Berry Hill, Lloyd Summerall, DJ Gordon, who just, they didn't play for one reason or another. And you're inserting them back into it. And it's, it's, you know, I asked Logan this after the game, you know, was it tough to kind of get back into the flow of it? And to his credit, he said, he said no. And he took a lot of the blame because, you know, he, he didn't have a great game. Him and Data did not have, great games overall as um, as the secondary goes. Uh, but I, I think it's a little bit more difficult to when you're just – you. it's not like you were practicing and then you, you kind of got hurt or toward the end of the week or whatever. Like, they just didn't play. They It's it's tough to jump back into it, especially against a team that, as you mentioned, Seth, is quite literally multiple and will do different things on offense. It's tough to, you know – uh, be gap sound to keep your eyes in in the right spot, and you know this thing, ha- this sort of thing can happen. Yeah, and as much as Dilfer's like become a meme a little bit, like they had a really good plan, and that's what we when we talked to John Duncan, that's kind of what I asked him because it it watching them against Georgia, watching them against Tulane, you saw a lot of good stuff, and coupled with tempo like i'm surprised how much they have in this early they've got a ton it feels like in and so just like seeing that first game back you're seeing tempo guys moving all over the place motion shifts different personnel groupings you got to get it all communicated really fast and you know it's and then you miss some tackles take a couple bad angles they're athletic and they run by you all of a sudden 
it's like, oh crap, we're in it. So yeah, I, this is one that uh, <laughs> hopefully when you look back on the year, you're like, okay, yeah, that was just a weird, that was just one of those weird games and it's a blip on the radar, so to speak, but I wouldn't panic just yet. Let's, let's wait, let's wait a couple of right Maybe. Like, I, I, that's a, that, that's a, you know, we're kind of sore from the Navy game a little bit. Yeah, and you do, you have had some, you've had, it seems like a bunch of nagging injuries on the defensive side of the ball where guys will come out for like 20 plays in a game and then go back in. Who you know, I it's could you know, we'll see this week. I think they'll probably be energized with the homecoming, home crowd, um, the new rival, according to some people. <laughs> Boom. Um, the the one thing to the one thing to watch out for, uh, they did uh, Coach didn't give an update on Tuesday. Uh, Maris Brown left the game early uh, on Saturday and did not come back in. Uh, Tevin Ward uh, got some run at corner. Uh, and that's a true freshman getting run. Um, you don't love that, especially when you're going up against a guy yeah. uh, who has, uh, let me get these right. Uh, Lejante uh, Wester uh, has 52 catches for 499 yards so far this season. Where's he uh, from? He, do you not know? Or are you, or are you being facetious? I mean, facetious. he's from Palmetto, Florida. He is, he's Palmetto. He's a Palmetto boy. Yeah. Um, went to Palmetto high school. Uh, this like this is we'll, we'll go more in depth with it in the Ponderosa, but this is the dude like we told y'all, Mari Thomas, um, in the Ponderosa last week was a guy to watch out for. This is this is that guy for FAU. Um, over the last, he's had a twelve catch week. He had twelve catches, one hundred and eight yards against Clemson, thirteen for one thirty seven and a touchdown uh, against uh, Illinois. And then nine for ninety-eight uh, versus Tulsa last week, and he's had a couple of rushes as well. Um, he go, the FAU offense goes as he goes. Nobody else is within thirty-five catches of him this season. Like it is quite literally wide receiver one, and then the others. It's, yeah, uh, was it he's, uh, Diana he's, Ross and the Supreme or whatever? Yeah. Right? Is that is yeah, that it? That's it. There it is. Yeah, he's explosive. He's got some wiggle. Um, He's a good player. He actually, I think, blue-shirted. So he came on campus initially without a scholarship. Uh, ended up getting one the next year. He's a really good player. Um, but outside of him, you look at their offense, it's been pretty poor. So, you know, and we'll go into, like, more details and give you, like, the actual numbers on the Ponderosa. But kind of the the story with them is their defense is, like, middle-of-the-road-ish. Not great, but not terrible. Offense has been pretty bad by most metrics. Now they do have an explosive player. You mentioned LeJonte Wester, but you know, without the starting quarterback, you know, Casey Thompson got hurt. I'm not sure they they were kind of were able to win out, slug one out of that. They played in the ra- heavy rain last week, didn't they? Against Tulsa, didn't cover, but they were able to win. Stieg actually hit that for the blog boy roundtable at Tulsa plus four. What a pick! Um, but uh yeah yeah this so this is one where you're gonna have to you're hoping your defense can get back kind of on schedule there like they had been the the first five games this is a good opportunity to do that i think uh maybe extra motivation for the coaches that left i don't know because it's not like they left on bad terms i think they left to take a better job so um but 
then on the other side of the ball, if, if you can score on their defense, then I, I think, which is not an elite unit, but it's not a bad one. Uh, statistically better than UAB. I haven't watched to see kind of personnel-wise if they're better or not. But um, So that's that's kind of the challenge. It's more on the offense this week. Last week was probably more of a defensive challenge uh, that you did not meet. But this week, it kind of flips. So at home, your offense, don't turn the ball over. You probably got a pretty good chance to win. That's been, I mean, that's the, the been the issue for USF uh, in two of their three losses. Um, you know, Western just terribly timed turnovers, and then last week some terribly timed turnovers that just never like just blew your momentum. And I, I, I'm of the opinion, and I could be absolutely dead wrong here. After Byron Brown caught his own pass for that 15 yard game, a game. Uh, he went into absolute heat check mode the rest of the possession and got burned. He's like, bro, if I do this, I'm feeling myself. I've already ripped off a 60-yard touchdown run. I, I am invincible, and much like Boris in GoldenEye, he got basically frozen to death. Um, that's a deep cut for some of you James Bond fans right there. Yeah, turnovers. <laughs> yeah, that because that, you know, that run, great first run, the catch, then run after catch. Probably feeling pretty good. Listen, they didn't intercept, intercept the first two. They probably won't intercept the third one either. But it didn't work out. So, yeah. but I, turnovers—they are one of the worst teams in the country in terms of uh, turnovers loss. They've lost twelve turnovers this year, which is 119th in the country. That uh, can, can that coupled with your kind of lack of success rate down to down can really, really put uh, a damper on your performance if you're not hitting those explosive plays. So, which they are very good. They're 25th in country in uh, explosive plays. So, it's been booming at times, but you got to be careful. I think that's the the thing for us. Like, uh, as you mentioned, uh, eight fumbles this year. They've lost seven of eight. Um, I think Byram has four on his own um, off the top of my head. I'm pretty sure he also has thrown five interceptions. That kind of jives with the team turnovers. Um, he's a freshman still, but you're getting towards yep. the latter part of like being able to still call him a freshman. You know, he's started eight games. So you basically have a full season under your belt. Uh, the ball security needs to improve, especially when he's running around. That's that was the that's been the most frustrating thing for him. Um, just watching him play, I think. Let me see if they if they have the info here. But I was taking a look the other day, and I think aside from maybe two games, he's lost a fumble in almost every start. Uh, so that's the thing that needs to get fixed for him uh just complete ball security and it comes with you know development you know you don't usually expect to run into the 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 rump of your left tackle but when you do you know (laughs) have some ball control when you're in between the tackles i don't know yeah that's uh that's a big like you can't compound now the one thing about the offensive stats so we'll have a bulls by the number out on the Patreon here in the next day or so. 
Um, they're trending up, right? When, the further away you get from the Alabama game, you're starting to see the numbers trend up. Uh, still not great, though, in the down-to-down success rate stuff. So um, the stats do tell kind of a tale of this team, but like a lot of, you know, there's the available yard percentage, which is kind of how many, what percent of the yards available to you to gain on average, on an average drive. So if 100% would be you score a touchdown every time. Uh, they're 69th in the country in that. That's, that's, that's not, that's not bad. Uh, but the turnovers, I mean, they're, they're 65th in the country in third down conversion percentage. So they're moving the ball, but when you turn it over 12 times, uh, and are loose with the football, that's going to come back to bite you. And some of them have been just absolute backbreakers. Western Western Kentucky game, <laughs> not Western Carolina. <laughs> West Go Cats. Cats on the mind. Freudian uh, <laughs> Western Kentucky game. Uh, you know that that kind of maybe lost. It definitely lost you an opportunity to win the game. You're going into score to tie it up, and then the last tacked on touchdown was off another turnover. So. Got to clean that up. And then if you do, they can kind of keep chugging along down to down like you've been. Hopefully by the end of the year, you see a really, really good offense. Is uh, Seth, is turnover still considered like a luck attribute? I think year to or year is. It is. Year. Yeah. That, like fumbles, there could be fumble of, luck because like Byron could yeah. have fumbled everyone and then they could have bounced right back up to him. Like, so some of it. Right. But like also, don't take the ball down by your hip in traffic. You know, there's yeah, like that too. Don't like, red basket it. So there's a, there is a luck element, but, um, you know, it seems pretty consistent. Like Nate just said, a fumble in almost every start. That's right. a consistent trend. Yeah. No, and I'm, I'm speaking more on like the, the side of things where it's like, you know, yes, it's a trend at that point, but it's also one of the trends doesn't like that constitutes more, and compounds more from a game to game standpoint. It's not like you're no. consistently getting over like a hundred yards rushing or anything like that. Like I don't know, to me, it's see. And again, I think um, I, I mentioned this somewhere, some way, but it, it, the further and further you're getting away from the UCF game last year, um, kind of to, to Nate's point about the Alabama game, I think the further and further away you're getting from that, I think the better and better this team is just going to start to show itself. Again, they're going to have those bad moments here and there this being the prime example of it. Uh, but it, it just seems like the further you can get away from ground zero, the, the better um, just to kind of relinquish yourself a little bit. Um, and again, it, to me, looking at the UAB game and then looking at the Rice game and looking at the Navy game, looking at everything kind of in totality, you can, you can definitely say there are glaring issues on this team right now. The things that we've been kind of talking about and hinting at, you know, the, a serious lack of speed at certain key positions. Um, defensively, there's a lot of just, I don't want to call them communication issues, but like just misreading. I, I don't know how to like just misreading angles or, or misreading, um, you know, where the ball is going to be coming out from and, you know, not necessarily getting the right jump in the right stunt at the time, but it just seems like it's mistakes that you would come to expect in year one under a team. But then on the other side of the coin, they're able to remedy those mistakes really, really quickly, offensively, defensively, if they can get the turnover on defense, if they can get the explosive play on offense. So it seems like it's like 
yes, this is great that they've won the three games that they've won already. They've also been kind of lucky with it, but also they're doing the right things to get those luck points up for them. But I'm going on a rant to say that I'm pleased with where they're at. Uh, they could be doing better. They could also be doing worse. We've seen them do worse <laughs> quite recently. Mm-hmm. I think that's important to remember. Yes. Let's. I wanted to take a look real quick. Um, uh, season forty-five of Survivor is going well. Um, I can ramble on a little bit while you while, while you're looking up the thing you're looking yeah, up. Gotcha. So uh, oh. USF's uh, seven lost fumbles this year is tied for second to worst in the nation. Um, going going up. Here's a here are the uh, there's four teams with eight lost fumbles: uh, Clemson, Louisiana. Texas State and Troy, I would say all four teams are halfway decent. So maybe there's not too much to it. And then uh, three teams with seven: Nebraska, USF, and Tulane. So, I mean, a, I guess maybe that's I guess key. that's good company. <laughs> there's an element. There is an element of luck with fumbles, but also like us watching all these games. Some of these have been avoided. Now, there's some like uh, the Western Wolf one in Navy. He's got two hands on the ball, bracing for impact. The guy helmet almost goes between his arms. It was like a perfect shot, you know. Not that's either Wesley Wolf breaking his armor. Yeah, that's not okay. That's okay. That's kind of maybe luck, like just holding the ball super loose and having somebody just knock it out of your hands. That's not as much luck involved there, right? So I, I think there's a bit of both. So you could take it with a grain of salt, but just being that low. And, and, you know, on the other side of the bowl, like if you want to talk about turnover luck, right? Like, was it five in the FAMU game defensively? And only yeah. three, only three fourths the rest of the year. So, you know, if you get something, if you can kind of get another big turnover game, you can probably play, you'll, yeah. you'll, you'll, the defense will magically look unbelievable. So there is a little bit of luck, but you got to clean that stuff up. Uh, if, um, if I were with, USF, I would force more fumbles. I agree. That's a They've good only call. forced four. Well, they forced the, five and recovered four. Call the force fumble play, Todd. Yeah, come on, Todd. Todd. Um, so with that, let's kind of wrap this up. Uh, just a reminder, USF plays FAU. 3.30 on ESPN2. It is USF's homecoming game. Make sure you're out there. Uh, supporting the team um make sure you go to our uh twitter account uh, at bay area examiner uh and check out the latest tweet that i put up um it was basically what rashad cheney said uh tuesday in his press conference speaking with the media basically he deleted his uh twitter account because uh because the fan base was uh a little um Irrational. I'll say irrational. Um, you know, you go come out of the the Navy game, hey, conference title contender. I'm paraphrasing here, and then you lose this game, and now you're the worst team ever. This and that. It's tough, and whoever that fan was berating the team on the sideline behind the bench. Um, I hope you look yourself in the mirror 
these are 18 to 22 year old kids who've started to turn the program around and this is how you treat them after a loss. It's not ideal. No. Don't do that. Do we want to pick this game? We didn't pick last week. We got we got some man. Yeah, we got some pushback. We didn't pick we didn't pick the game last week. We got some angry, angry responses. There were dozens and dozens of of angry people. Yeah. Um so USF's what still are they still favored by two? So right now, USF is a two-point home favorite. The over-under is 58 and a half. FBU's plus 110 on the money line. That's USF's minus 130. So kind of a toss, as toss-up as toss-up gets if you give two points for home field. Yeah. I don't think this is a one-point game. So if basically... If you think one team's going to win, just pick them regardless of the spread. I think USF shows up. I think they win. I think they win going away. Uh, I'm not, I don't foresee this defense having two stinkers in a row. Now, is it possible? Yes, but I don't. The pride on this defense that has generated or been revitalized over the last five weeks six weeks is not going to dissipate and go away and revert back to 2022. Just like that. I think they're, they've got a lot to play for um, their entire, quite literally their entire season still ahead of them. They're still two and one in the conference. They can still do literally everything they wanted to do this year. They get back on track and uh, they show them that the, the, the best beach in Florida is Castor beach. Yeah, I, my here's my worry with the game. Uh, so, like I said, FAU's defense is all right, not great. But by, by they're all right by the advanced metrics. If you look at success rate, like down to down, they're pretty bad actually. Ninety six in the country in success rate. Um, so it seems like they're doing a pretty good job of not giving up explosive plays. So my worry with this USF team is beyond just you know dependence on explosive plays. Uh, matching up with defensive athleticism has, I think, been an issue. UAB was not a great defense, but they were somewhat athletic. So that worries me a little bit. Um, but FAU's offense has been pretty bad. USF's at home looking for kind of a bounce back. I, I, I'm going to go USF. Let's go like uh, 20, let's go yeah, 27 21 USF. Something like that, maybe. Yeah, yeah. Let's let's do something like that. I think it might be a hard-fought game just because they don't allow the explosives. But this is a great test for USF. If you can kind of methodically move the ball down the field, like FAU seems to allow, that's great progress. So this is a really good chance to get back on on track there offensively. Steve, I don't like this game. Just, I, you um, need to bring back just bring back the 60 pointer. Yeah, I, I like that because it was just mindless and I didn't have to think about it. But now I'm actually trying to think about it. And it's just like um yeah. Hey, to, to Nate's point, I, I don't think that they're gonna put back to back stinkers up on defense. Um I think to a to a point, uh like probably like midway through that third quarter, it was just kind of like 
you, you got snowballed and snowing and you know you're kind of throwing things out the window at that point. you're not really going through the motions because you're down by three scores and at that point probably whatever um so uh give me like Give me like 34-30 FAU, prove me wrong. Oh. Yeah, prove me wrong. I'm, I'll, I'll gladly be wrong. I'll, I'm After I picked a USF Rice and I said prove it, prove it right, I was like, I'm not going to pick these anymore on Blog Boy or the table. Uh, but yeah, uh, prove, prove me wrong. Be negative about it. I'm not going to berate you, but prove me wrong. Before we go, me. can I give you a stat that will blow your mind? Yeah. What do you think? What do you think USF ranks uh, in passive defense success rate? Oh, they've got to be stupidly high. Thirty-eight. Yeah, pretty good. It's just the EPA numbers when they factor in explosiveness, one hundred and four. So, yeah. they get the big. The ones. thing is, they're really good at not like giving up like the underneath passes and like the the you know 20 yard gains the problem is that they bring up CR gains <laughs> once or twice a game yeah they give up the big ones all right funny how it works cool Nathan. with that thanks for tuning in and listening to another episode of Pod by the Bay I've been your host Nathan Bond Seth Marnador, Robert Stieg. Enjoy your homecoming. Enjoy the rest of your week. Go Bulls. Go Bulls. Go Bulls. Bye-bye.